you have your Bibles, Genesis chapter 12 this evening. Genesis chapter 12. One day, uh, Joe asked his friend Bob to go help him work on a deck after work. So they were going to be going to Joe's house. So Bob went straight over to Joe's place. And he noticed that when they got to the door, Joe went straight up to his wife, gave her a big hug, and he told her how beautiful she was and how much he missed her while he was at work. When it was time for supper, they were there and, and, and Bob came over for a meal just before they're working on the deck. After the meal, when it was over, Joe complimented his wife on her cooking and he gave her a kiss and he told her how much he loved her. Once they were outside working on the deck, Bob uh, told Joe, I'm surprised how much you fussed over your wife. Joe said, well, I started doing this about six months ago. And it completely revived our marriage, and things couldn't be better. So Bob thought, well, if it's working for Joe, maybe I'll give it a try. So Bob gets home, and his wife opens the door, and he gets home. He gives her a big hug, and he kisses her, and he tells her how much he loves her. At that moment, Bob's wife bursts into tears. Bob was confused. He said, why are you crying? She said, this has been the worst day of my life. First, Billy fell off his bike and he twisted his ankle. Then the washing machine broke and it flooded the basement. And now you've come home and you're drunk. <laughs> I mean, no, marriage can be tricky to navigate through sometimes. Anyone's been married any length of time, sometimes you realize we don't always say the right thing. We don't always do the right things. Sometimes out of ignorance or stupidity, we can really mess things up. But I want to look tonight at a portion of Scripture and remind you that there is a gracious God in heaven that wants to help us especially in the area of marriage. Tonight, we're going to continue our sermon series we've begun. This is lesson number four, titled Winning When Worried. We're looking. Uh, the scripture that connects all of these together is Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things prayer and supplications let your requests be made known to God, verse 7, and the peace which surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and minds. So tonight we're going to continue looking at this series. Let's look tonight at marriage worries out of Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 10, if you'll follow along. It says, and there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the, was, uh, for the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass when he was come near to Egypt that he said unto Sarah his wife, Behold, now I know you are a beautiful woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see you that they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Verse 13, So I pray you, Say, you are my sister, that it may be well with me, 
for your sake and my soul shall live because of thee. Verse 14, and it came to pass that when Abram uh, was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he entreated Abram well for her sake and uh, had given him sheep and oxen and donkeys and men servants and maid servants and female donkeys and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with the great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Verse 18, and Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this that you have done unto me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So I might have taken her for my wife. Now, therefore, behold your wife, take her and go your way. Let's pray tonight. Father God, we thank you. Lord, for the miracle of salvation, I'm asking right now that you're going to speak and minister into hearts. God, I pray, encourage marriages tonight, new marriages, God, uh, marriages in the middle, marriages uh, that are seasoned, Father God. I pray uh, you would speak into hearts in Jesus' name, amen. Winning when worried, <clears throat> number four, let's look tonight at marriage worries. Let's set a foundation. Let's look firstly at facing difficulties in marriage. Statistics show that money is among the top things that couples will argue about. Married couples will argue about how to get money. They argue about who should get the money, how to spend the money, and they argue about where did the money go, right? All these different areas. Verse 10 says, now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt, for the famine was severe. Here's Abram. He's facing a financial crisis. Here is a problem. He couldn't go to Wegmans and just buy some groceries. Here there was famine, there was drought, there was problems. So here this is a financial crisis, and that financial crisis is going to bring him into a marriage crisis, right? It's easy for couples to get along when there's money in the bank, when there's savings being stored up, when everything is taken care of. But when you enter into a season of money problems, it can bring some ugly things to the surface, Right? In a marriage, the prince will quickly become the frog again. And the princess busts out her broom. <laughs> it puts a strain on the marriage. Why? Because finances are so critical to life. Finances matter. It affects every area. If you have children, it affects them. It affects food. It affects livelihood. It affects your home, etc. So here, it produces some negative problems. But problems don't just come only from money. It's not just about money. Problems arise in a marriage sometimes because of unrealized dreams or because plans didn't work out. In other words, sometimes people will get married and there's a sense of unfulfillment because it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. For others, he's not what you thought he was going to be. 
She's not how I thought that she was. Others go in with this expectation that once I get married, then it's going to fill every void in my life. But when it doesn't, this produces problems. Right? Think about Abram's crisis tonight. It's quite possibly that this is coming from a feeling of failure. Here he's, uh, he has trusted God. He has laid hold of God's promises, but they seem to be failing him at this moment. He said yes to God, right, a few scriptures before, and now he's already facing crisis. It would look like him saying yes to the will of God has actually done very little good to him, right? He would have told Sarah, as God in Genesis 12 and verse 1 speaks to Abraham, separate yourself out of your country, away from your family, to a land I will show you. He no doubt would have told his wife, God has called me to something. Follow me. I'm the man. God has spoken some things about our life. But now, think about where they're at. Financial crisis. They're living in tents. They're wandering around the desert. There's family problems between him and Lot, right? There's crisis on every front. So this would have come from a feeling of failure. Not only that, he's chasing something that he doesn't have the full picture. He doesn't know how it's going to all play out. So here, this puts tension and crisis on the marriage. How many here you are where you expected to be 10 years ago, five years ago, one year ago, right? We have these dreams. We have these expectations. We have these plans. But how many know life has a sobering, uh, uh, has a way of sobering our plans and our dreams? Life brings reality back into perspective and it winds up having an effect on our relationships for our story on the marriage between Abram and Sarai. So here, because of crisis, no doubt he's wrestling some things inside. There are external forces at work. This produces now a relational conflict. Right? How many have dealt with relational conflict, right? We all have. It was at one wedding reception. They asked the guests who had been married the longest, and they're trying to figure it out. It turned out to be a couple, Sally and Sam. They asked Sally, what advice would you give to the new married couple? She said, the three most important words in a marriage are, you're probably right. At that moment, everyone paused and looked over at Sam and uh, uh, nervous, he just shrugged his shoulders and said, she's probably right. <laughs> There's a lot of marriages, they're trying everything to avoid any type of conflict. But I want to tell you tonight, that is not reality. That is not, that's a fantasy, that doesn't work the nature of human relationships is that there are conflicts, right? Jesus told the disciples, offenses 
will come. Jesus is realistic. Yes, we're saved. Yes, we are working towards Christ and being Christ-like. But how many know relationships carry conflict? It's part of the human experience. And a marriage at times will have some conflicts. A big reason why couples divorce is irreconcilable differences. Right here, we, we can't settle our differences. In other words, we fight a lot, so we're not meant to be together. Newsflash, lots of people fight. All the time. In all sorts of relationships. And the reality is that in a marriage, right, we are different people, and at times there's going to be forces, external things, things out of our control, that are putting stress, relational conflict on a marriage. Now, it's not meant to stay that way. Amen. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm not supposed to be miserable in marriage. No, you're not. It's supposed to be good. But here is the problem is many couples, Relational conflict in their marriage becomes the normal, so they simply give up. Right? Marriage can be difficult. Marriage can be costly to one's self. Can't be selfish in a marriage. You can't do what you want in a marriage. You can't live for yourself in a marriage. It's for the other person, and it requires great sacrifice. So many people look at that and say, nope, not for me. Problem is they're already married. So they simply give up. Some give up through divorce. Others maybe not divorce, but they withdraw from the relationship. They're unplugged from the marriage. So here, let's think about this then, how this applies in our text. Facing difficulties in marriage. Here is Abram. He is dealing with difficulties. Financial crisis, famine. Uh, here, uh, his family, his wife, uh, all of this. And he sees, as he's going into Egypt, the high cost of fighting for his marriage. And instead of fighting, he devises a plan that in a sense he's giving up. Let's look secondly then at the root of marriage problems. The root of this marriage crisis here in our text, it actually is dealing with Abram's own selfishness. My pastor, Pastor Mitchell, would often say marriage is two selfish people locked in a room together. Right here you have two people. They both have a will. They both have an idea. Of marriage. They both have uh, desires and needs, uh, and each one that they're usually, right? Compatibility we talk about today. Compatible. Are you compatible? No one is. You have to work it out. So here's Abraham, or Abram. He's not worried about the marriage going into Egypt, if you look, he's worried about his own personal agenda. He's worried about his health. 
he's worried about as well. He's worried about what Pharaoh is going to do to him, not to them. And it nearly destroys his marriage. Literally, here he gives his wife away because of his own selfishness. Right? The fact is, selfishness is involved in every marital conflict. There's a dimension of selfishness. It causes you to fight selfishness. It will cause you to fear. It produces infidelity. It brings on money problems. I want to tell you tonight, the surest way... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, the, the pursuit of self is the surest way to destroy uh, your marriage relationship or any, marriage, or any relationship in life. So here is Abram. He's not concerned about the marriage. He's concerned about himself. He's concerned about his own desires. The root issue then ultimately is sin. Philippians 2 and verse 21, it says, For all seek their own, uh, uh, their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Right here, this is a mark of our fallen nature. People approach life, they look at what satisfies me. What is in it for me? What gain do I Get out of this. And once I'm taken care of, then maybe we'll address your needs. That's a recipe for disaster, especially in marriage. And this is here. This is where Abram is at. He's looking at crisis. He's looking at uh, all that's happening in the environment around him. And he's concerned about only himself. See, that is what sin is tonight. Sin is simply choosing what we want to do instead of what God wants us to do. Genesis 2, 16 through 17 says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree in the garden you may freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Think about this. Right, we, we, we get caught up in all these other details, but very simply, what does God want from Adam and Eve? To abstain from one tree. To don't touch it. This is my portion. But what do they do? Verses, uh, Genesis 3 and verse 6. So when the woman saw that it, the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She gave to her husband, he ate with her. Now they have done what they have wanted to do, not what God wanted them to do. That's selfishness. And that's how many people approach their marriage. Right? We're not talking tonight about horrible crimes or disgusting deeds, but here they're ignoring God in their own disobedience. So the problem is we don't recognize the disaster of selfishness in marriage. Selfish sin is what is destroying marriages. It's selfish sin that is what is tearing families apart. 
right? We have rampant because of selfishness, people pursuing immorality, people, uh, couples uh, entrenched in pornography, ex- uh, 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 pursuing affairs, uh, pursuing their own self-will. Uh, you have others in selfishness. They are harboring hatred. They are harboring contempt, uh, unforgiveness, anger, attitudes, selfishly forcing their insecurities on their spouse. Selfish sin is what's destroying marriages. And here in our text, this is what Abram is doing. Is he is putting now his marriage in jeopardy. He's putting destiny in jeopardy. He's putting everything on the line. Why? Because of what I want. Because of what's in it for me. See, the great danger tonight is that sin will bring judgment. This goes beyond just the simple results of a sinful life. We're talking about here, God gets involved in this situation. Verse 17 says, But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with a great plague because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Pharaoh's house is now plagued. Not because he acted out sin, but because of his potential sin against Sarai. Right? And now here, God shows everyone his opinion. God reveals, this is what I think about Abram's selfish choices. See, this is the, this, this is the danger of sin. It seems so appealing. It seems so wonderful. It seems like this, you know, thing we want to engage in, but it traps us. John 8, 34, Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Sin traps us. It ensnares us. But then it makes us pay for it. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. Now, this, again, this is the reason for many marital, marital problems is that you are paying for your own selfishness. Things begin to play out. You were enticed. You bought into the lie. You've become trapped. Now for the selfishness, you're paying for it. See, it's dangerous because sometimes people don't see the consequences immediately. Right? Lightning didn't strike me, so I must be okay. That's incorrect. And we think we've gotten away with it, but the Bible tells us that there's a payment for it. The Bible tells us that there's consequences for selfishness in a marriage. Right? My pastor would tell me and remind me, Jesse, does anyone really get away with anything? No, we don't. The bill is coming. 
and for our own selfishness in marriage, creating problems, now we're paying the price. Whether that's marriage conflict or on the verge of divorce or nothing more than a relationship you're basically just roommates, one living on one side and the other. Or it'll play out in our family or in our body, in our health. But ultimately, if we don't get it right, it'll play out into eternity. Let's close then. Let's look at the hope for marriage. The wonderful hope of our story tonight is that nobody dies. Isn't that good news? Right? Nobody dies. Nobody, uh, 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 the plague, it falls on, but there's not, it's not fully paid out. That's wonderful news because there could have been great tragedy. There could have been repercussions that went longer than where we read in our text, but there wasn't. This serves tonight for you and I both as a warning and as a promise. Because here in our story, Abram, Sarai, and Pharaoh, they were all in trouble. There was, there was a problem, right? There was a plague that fell. But they recognized the warnings, and they made things right, and they were able to escape for the long term and didn't have to face a fatal judgment. See, the question for you and I, couples in this place, is are you paying attention to the lessons in your story? Are you paying attention to the lessons in your marriage? Are you learning and growing and developing? Right, tonight, what has your marriage taught you? It should be teaching you things. Are you seeing the warnings? Are you letting God help you in the areas of selfishness, whatever they might be? See, for our marriages tonight, they can be saved, they can be strengthened, and they can be made something beautiful. I get, if you don't get anything else from this service tonight, remember there is hope for every marriage as long as you're breathing. Wherever it's at, whatever state it's in, there is always hope for every marriage. And I would encourage every new couple, you need to fight for your marriage. You need to fight for your marriage. You need to judge the areas of selfishness because you don't want the consequences. And not only that, don't stop fighting for your marriage. Don't ever give up on your marriage and build it on the things of God because that's the only way it works. That is the only way a marriage can survive. To the older, mature couple, 
even if you have given up, amen, you can find restoration. And God can break through in His power and begin to heal your marriage. See, the problem, uh, I'm sorry, the promise that we find in our story is we see resurrection life given to a marriage. Think about this. In our text here, out of Abram's own selfishness, his bride was taken and she was in the clutches of the enemy. Here, because of his own selfishness, his future is threatened. Destiny is threatened. He possibly could lose everything because of selfishness. But think about this. God gets involved. And the marriage is restored and his future becomes promising again. Maybe tonight you feel or your marriage is in the clutches of the enemy. Maybe you don't see a sign of hope for your future. Maybe you think destiny has completely been lost or erased and the present circumstances are overwhelmingly hopeless. Maybe even because of your own bad decisions. Can I tell you tonight that God can get involved? Just like he did for the man in our story, for the wife in our story, right? Her side's a whole nother perspective that we could preach. But here is this, this circumstance, things go from bad to worse, but God can get involved. God can supernaturally turn the tables for you, for your marriage, for your life. John 8 and verse 36 says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. You know, though we make foolish decisions and we become slaves to sin, Jesus has the power to break the bondage. Jesus has the power to reverse the consequence. Jesus can restore and you can be free from the sins that are destroying your marriage. From the selfishness that's killing your marriage. See, the great hope for us all tonight is that the God who delivers from sin is the God, the same God who wants to heal your marriage. And here we see a man in his own problems, in his own crisis, God was able to move. He was worried about his marriage, but worried about himself. But God was able to produce a miracle. Amen. Let's have every head bowed tonight, every eye closed. Amen. Winning when worried. Looking at marriage worries. But I want to give an opportunity here tonight you're here and your heart is not right with God. Your sins, they're not forgiven. You are not living a life in obedience to God. You are far from God. You have involved yourself 
as Hebrews says, in the passing pleasures of sin. But tonight you know that you want to get your heart right with God. Maybe as I was preaching, maybe not everything applied to you. Maybe not everything made sense, but something was clear. And that is that you need deliverance. You need salvation. You know tonight you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. I want to give you that opportunity right now. That you can surrender wholeheartedly right now, tonight. See, God has brought you to this place. And God in His grace is giving you an opportunity right now to get it right with Him. Maybe consequences have played out. Maybe the results of selfish sin are playing out and have played out in your life. And you know tonight you need, you need a miracle. You need God to do a miracle in your life, in your heart. Areas of addiction, areas... That you're bound and you need deliverance. Jesus is that tonight. He came to set free those who are captive. To give recovery of sight to the blood. He came, amen, to preach the gospel, the good news. That you can be saved. You can be redeemed. And that happens through a simple prayer. And I wonder how many would there be? Your heart's not right with God. Your sins are not forgiven. You lift your hand quickly. Say, I want to pray that prayer. I see this hand. How many others? Quickly. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Don't worry about what someone will say or think. It doesn't matter tonight. Lift your hand quickly. You know your heart's not right with God. Maybe you're backslidden in this place. One time you knew the love of God. At one time you pursued the things of God. At one time you knew there was vision. There was destiny. There was a future. But at some point you turned away. Tonight, you're far from God. Can I tell you and give you hope tonight that God is not mad at you? That God is not angry with you? That in His grace, right now you are here because He is pulling on your heart. That you are here right now because He wants to make things new. He is knocking at the door of your heart like the parable of the prodigal son. He is waiting at the gate for you to come home. You'd lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor, I'm back. But I want to get my heart right tonight. You'd lift your hand quickly. Quickly, you join this honest heart, left to right, front to back. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Don't worry about what people will say or what they'll think. That does not matter. We're talking about eternity tonight. We're talking about deliverance. There's nothing worth going to hell over. There's nothing worth Losing in eternity. For what? For what? God is right now knocking on your heart. Quickly, you'd lift your hand. Unsaved or backslidden. Left to right, front to back. You'd join this honest heart. Amen. Hallelujah. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. This one that lifted their hand, you look up at me. You mean that tonight. I believe you do. Come forward. We're going to pray with you. Amen. Get a man pray with this man. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. A sinner's prayer tonight. God be merciful to me, a sinner. Amen. Speaking of Christians then tonight. Winning when worried. Looking at marriage worries. Here's a man in the crisis of life. In the relational conflict. Instead of turning to God. Instead of turning 
to God who could help him, who could work out his needs, the God of providence. Instead, he becomes worried only about himself, consumed only about himself. And he recreates, he makes his crisis worse for himself, puts everything on the line here, the risk of losing it all. Why? Because of selfishness. Tonight, the hope for marriage is that God wants to help you. Is that maybe you've made some selfish decisions. New or older couple, it doesn't matter. There's been some selfish decisions. Selfish sins, unforgiveness, insecurities, and it's plaguing your marriage. Immorality, wickedness, and it's plaguing your marriage. Like Pharaoh, there's a plague, there's a judgment, and it's playing out. But God wants to help you tonight. God wants to lift that. God wants to help you to move forward. Amen. He wants to bring healing and restoration. These altars are open. We're going to stand together tonight. Hallelujah. If God has spoken to you, dealt with you one area or another, you come pray this evening. Hallelujah. Wonderful God. As we sing out a song, amen. In me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Restore unto me 
salvation and renew a right spirit with